like scary movies. Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I don't know. You have to have a favorite. What comes to mind? Welcome back to the Jumping Scared Podcast. My name's Alex, and I am not joined almost as always by my twin brother, Eric. That's because we are bringing you a little bit of a change of pace episode from our normal Jumping Scared format. And the reason we're doing so is actually very, very cool, very, very interesting, and uh, honestly, very excited about it. Uh, to, to kind of set the stage, I want to step back just really quickly. Uh, about a year ago, me and Eric started this podcast really just for the fun of it. You know, we're huge horror fans. We really enjoy kind of the horror sphere and talking about current horror and just being a part of it. And that's the reason this podcast kind of developed and started to grow a little bit. Uh, if you would have told me a year ago, you know, that we're going to do an interview with a super relevant person in the horror sphere, I would have scoffed at you. I would have laughed. I would have said no way. And then if you would have told me that we're going to be doing it with Rebecca Klingle, a.k.a. C.K. Walker, a.k.a. the Dalek Emperor, I would have just not believed you. because this, So this is a person, if you're not familiar, me and Eric are just absolutely huge fans of. Uh, you'll catch her short stories on subreddits like No Sleep. She's a fantastic horror fiction writer. We have talked about Baraska on this podcast before, and Baraska's actually being updated and adapted into an eight-part podcast coming up in a couple months, and it's going to be by like voice actors, and it's going to be a really, really high production, so very exciting, and keep your eyes posted for that. And then if you're also a fan of our podcast, you know we've talked about Mike Flanagan, you know we love Haunting of Hill House. Rebecca Klingle not only was a writer on Haunting of Hill House, but also has just been wrapping up work on The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is Mike Flanagan's follow-up anthology to The Haunting of Hill House. So Honestly, this is just a this is a bigger guest than I would have ever thought we could have uh, kind of gotten to speak with us on our podcast. So I just want to really take a second to thank Rebecca for being so cool and so uh, just willing to discuss kind of some of her writing topics or some of her uh, you know experiences in horror uh, with us. You know, she had no obligation to do so. So this is just her just being a really great person and contributing just to kind of welcoming environment that a lot of horror fans have uh, that we've talked about before that the horror community in general is like a pretty, you know, for the subject matter, <laughs> they're surprisingly a pretty welcoming bunch. And Rebecca was just absolutely great. So again, just gratitude and appreciation from us. And I don't want to, you know, sit here and blabber on because I'm already kind of blabbering because I'm so excited for this podcast. So I'm just going to let my co-host Eric take over for that interview he did with Rebecca because it's a really good listen. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as uh, both I did and hope as much as Eric gave the interview. So without further saying, Eric, take it away. Today I am joined by Rebecca Klingel, aka C.K. Walker, aka the Dalek Emperor, queen of the macabre and morose, author to some of the spookiest stories you can find on the internet, as well as a contributor towards one of Netflix's best original series in The Haunting of Hill House. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me, and how are you doing on this lovely Wednesday evening? Great. Uh... A little tired, been having a pretty busy week ever, well, pretty busy year ever since January, and everybody came back from work. It's just been go, 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 but I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Here in my house on the phone with you. (laughs) Yes, likewise, very happy to have you and excited to kind of pick your brain here on some of the stuff you've done, some of the stuff you're working on, and all of that fun stuff. 
So uh, on this podcast, I have made it readily apparent to anybody who listens how much my horror fandom is shaped by the works of Stephen King. And uh, my co-host has read 75% of his published bibliography. And this isn't a, it's not a ballpark figure. He actually tracks it (laughs) page by page. So uh, I promise. He very very is. He has spent, uh, he spent a pretty penny uh, on books (laughs) and a lot of time. (laughs) So uh, I I promised him that I would at least ask you uh, your opinion on Stephen King. So how, how do you feel about him? Oh, no. Um, I love Stephen King in in a way that like even though he's written a lot of those books before I was born I still think about some of his ideas and just get mad that I didn't think of it even though it was a thing like Pet Cemetery, for example it's just it's brilliant and what I like about what Stephen King does is he uses and this is my favorite way to use horror because I'm not much of a slasher person but he uses horror as a metaphor and he's very very good at that or to like talk about like the human condition and I find that fascinating i i haven't read a whole lot but i have seen a whole lot of his movies sure yeah yeah and you hit the the um nail on the head exactly why we like him too he is he's so he's so unique at what he does and he's i I don't want to call him like a or like pigeonhole him to like his style, but you can you can typically tell a stephen king work based on his world building he is he is the, no pun intended, king of the small mm-hmm. details and what makes a um, a world fun. Uh, he yes. just he he fleshes out characters you don't think you need to know about, but the way he does it, it just really it puts you in that situation, and you can f- kind of feel like you know the town, you know the the situation, and it's it's a really interesting way he does that. So he does. Uh, he's very good at building his universes. Yes. And on a similar note, uh, could you list a few people you either um, would classify as people you grew up reading or who helped inspire you as you were beginning your writing career? Oh, sure. Oh, that's that's such a hard one. Um, I have been reading Michael Crichton since I was probably too young for Michael Crichton. Um, (laughs) I I find uh, and uh, I think he's I think he died, which is horrible. But um, I've always found him to be just, I love the way that he writes. And I love, again, I, I'm a sucker for a good idea. I think that you can have, you can be a poor writer and still have brilliant ideas. And there are some best-selling novels that I won't name that, that people generally say, or and no, it's not Twilight, generally say are not that well written, but the ideas in them are so good that there's been a movie about maybe 40% of the books this guy's written, movies about it. Um, so I'm like I said, I'm a sucker for a good idea and like like great characters. Um, who else? There's a uh, there's a Scottish writer and I hate that I can't remember her name, but I will look it up. Val, maybe it's Val McDermott. Anyway, she does a lot of like thriller, small town mystery type stuff, and I re- have always really liked her stuff. Um, and then I think that. George R. R. Martin is one of the best written people for me, you know, because a lot of people, they like or don't like certain types of writing. And I really like like his type of writing mm-hmm. and just his world building is so good. And he's building the world while he's like telling, you know, the story, which I can't I'm probably going to get kicked in the face for saying this. But if you read Lord of the Rings, there's a huge info dump in the beginning about mm-hmm. Hobbiton. And, um, and I I. uh or the Shire, rather, sorry, um, which is 
great. He's a great writer too, but I like the way that George does it where he's telling the story and you know what I mean? Anyway, I really, really like him, but most of my influences come from a lot of movies. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's uh, I, I like how you brought up George R. R. Martin, because I don't think um, uh, based on your success and your where you've kind of geared your writing towards many people would like guess <laughs> that would be a yeah. typical source of inspiration. But uh, you're absolutely right. The way he builds worlds. I've uh, I've actually recently just been reading uh, Patrick Rothfuss, the King Killer Chronicle, oh, wow. uh, and he's very, very similar to George R. R. Martin and the. Yeah, I like, I like how you mentioned the Lord of the Rings data dump. You don't necessarily get that. You get you're thrown into the story and you let the pieces build around the story and flesh out and you find out more and more information. You feel like you are like, oh, give me more now, and it's just he does. You don't get it until it, he feels like right. you need to get it, and uh, yeah. it's a beautiful way of writing for sure. It is. It is. It's gorgeous. Alrighty. So um, just to give a quick little background on you, you are uh, very prolific um, as far mm-hmm. as short stories, medium-sized stories. Uh, you've got uh, a large <laughs> collection of your work and you've uh, so far um, put them into three volumes titled Cold Thin Air, one through three. And you've also self-published nearly all of your work on the internet for free which is a really cool thing. Uh, and so the first collection looks like it was put out this around the same time you began posting your stories to the No Sleep subreddit. And my question for you, was the plan always to continue posting your work for free on a platform like Reddit? Did the popularity of your stories influence your decision at all? Or are you just of the mindset that the more people with access to your stories, the better? Yeah, so... That's a, that's a really good question. And I, I was actually dealing with this on Reddit today, so I'm glad that I get to talk about it. Um, so when I started writing, I was working a full-time job and I didn't, I had, it was kind of like an office space situation where I maybe had 90 minutes of work to do a day. And mm-hmm. so I would read this forum, the no sleep forum. Um, and then I just decided to start writing on it. And really, even through all three volumes, never did was I trying to, build like a career out of it. I'd been writing a book in the background that I hope to publish one day, but re- writing the short horror stories, um, which is not horror, that book, writing the short horror stories was more for fun for me because I really just write the kind of stuff that I want to read. Um, and it went, I mean, I did self-publish those books. The first volume is priced as low as Amazon would let me. I think the other two may be a couple more and I have enough, I've written enough at this point to do two more, but I just haven't sat down to format it and do it. Um, but you're right. Like all of them are available on my website, um, except for what I've written specifically for the no sleep podcast, which is what would go into the other two books. But no, my plan was never to do this as a job. I thought the best I could hope for was maybe being a published author and also having a day job because being a published author, unless you're one, unless you're really big, like even if you hit the New York times bestseller list, unless you're like, like a John Grisham or something, it's hard to quit your day job, you know? Sure. Right. So I never really anticipated that any of this would happen. Um, and I, I still, I still don't really, <laughs> I still get a bit <laughs> of imposter syndrome that it kind of was nothing I was ever shooting for or working for, or had ever thought about doing, uh, um, screenwriting and TV writing. And I just kind of got pulled into it, which I'm so grateful for. Yeah. The, the further I get, the further I get in my career, uh, I think everybody's got imposter syndrome until yes. one day you retire and you're like, well, 
I guess that was this. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, they, they haven't kicked me out yet. So uh, exactly. either I'm pulling it off or it's just regular imposter syndrome. So about uh, how long after discovering the No Sleep subreddit did you decide to start posting your stories? Were you an active reader for a while or did you see it and you're like, oh, wow, I really, really want to start contributing right away? I think it was a couple of months, but it was a couple of months of reading it every day. Okay. And it kind of came out more of like, I would read a story and I'm like, that's interesting. And I would take one element and be like, how can I, can I swear on this podcast? It's okay. Oh, absolutely. Okay. How can I twist this and fuck this up and like really make this as messed up as possible? And that's what I started. So, so basically like that, I would read, oh, something about dolls. And I'm like, I could write a doll story. Dolls always <laughs> creep me out. And it was kind of like that. And so I'm like, maybe I'll give it a shot. Um, and I loved it from the beginning. So, and then it was just addictive. So I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. And it was more for the fun of it than anything else. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like I like how you phrase that. How can I fuck this up <laughs> in the best way? That's, yes. that's, that's judging pretty much by... how I come up with any idea. Like I'll yeah. see a regular, just everyday situation and I'll think, what would be the worst version of this that could happen to that person or to this building or something like that? And then I'll be like, oh, I got it. I like that. Yeah, and the, you can tell it's readily apparent in any of your stories. You're very <laughs> good at that. But also, you're also very good at... Um, giving us a reason to care about the characters in the first place and humanizing them and really making that eventual gash really, uh, really affect us. So that's, that's, it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. You don't really care about people when bad stuff happened to them until you're actually given a, given a piece of their humanity. So definitely it's takes, true. definitely takes two to tangle on that. And uh, you're very good at doing both of those. Oh, thank you. I really, I like to put humor. Veroska had a lot of it, for instance. I like to put, I think humor is what kind of, as you said, humanizes people or makes them relatable. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta do, cause you don't actually have to do too much to your characters to make people get upset if you write the characters really well. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Definitely agree. Uh, so I'll ask one more question here real quickly on the uh, cold, thin airs themselves. Uh, outside of the story length, is there really a method to the madness of deciding which stories end up pieced together in one particular volume? So like, for for instance, when you're looking at volume two, uh, did you think, well, Brask is going on this one, I'm going to put room 733 and yada, 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 or is it kind of just is there is there anything besides really like length that you're trying to say, well, this one's got a little bit of A, B, and C, but I need one with D, so I'm going to add this, or not so much? Oh, uh, I wish that kind of thought went into it, but <laughs> like I was releasing them every October, so it was just I would put whatever stories I'd written that year gotcha. in, into the books. And there was one year, and I can't remember if it was what volume it was, but there was a story that um that I wrote specific that I never well I have now, but I hadn't put on notes uh, on Reddit that I wrote specifically as book filler because mm -hmm. I'm like, this, this, this is short. I think it might've been volume three. I'm like, I need another story. And so I wrote that story outside of the rules of the Reddit and just wrote whatever I wanted. Um, and it ended up that, that one got optioned by Mike Flanagan. And um, the last I heard that they're direct, he's going to direct in 2021. So, I mean, like it was a good, you know, cause my friend and I adapted it for screen. So even writing like for book filler, I'm like, okay, that's great. That worked out really well. Um, but no, there's, nothing yeah it's it's kind of just what have, what have I written that isn't in the other two or like since the other one released and even like putting them together it's not like there's a real narrative like 
thing. It's kind of like you take your strongest stories and you put one at the beginning and one at the end and a few in the middle and you know sure. what I mean? just kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. real mercenary, but yeah. Fair enough. I'm, yeah. I'm still I'm still still waiting for the anthological catch all at the end that somehow pieces every single story you've written together. They're it's all like, take, the same universe. Yeah, they take the be. take the first word of every story, piece it together, and yeah, you'll get a new book. Oh, so. I have done that twice. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, we'll see. So, so as I mentioned, um, I really appreciate how good you are and succinct you are about your world building and short stories like it's it's one thing to do it in a novel uh, but to be able to create a mini universe in a short story really takes a special talent and so like specifically looking at stories like the lost town of deepwood pennsylvania lake cagachante in Nebraska, you do a really good job of building a world around small towns in rural america and i actually lived in st louis for gosh how long seven years and uh spent some time in the ozarks where brassica's out set and the picture you painted pretty evenly matched my experience there so i was curious what is your process in determining settings for these kind of stories and how much research is required into the specific areas to feel like hey i'm actually painting the right picture for this spot oh that's a great question um well um in the case of Baraska, um, Drisking is a town that I lived in, in Missouri. And that is what, it's, it wasn't called Drisking. Obviously, that's a fake name. Um, but if you're from St. Louis, then you might have heard of Cape Girardeau. Baraska talks about Cape Girardeau, which is a real place. Yeah. Um, but the, Actually, I, what's that? I, almost, I almost went to college down in Cape Girardeau at SEMO. Okay, then you know. <laughs> yes. um, I tend to write what I know, which I think is the general, like, advice that people should do um from what i've heard i i write a lot in arizona i write a lot uh i do write a few things in missouri chicago um i think that's it i don't really write outside of those places and it, it is true i do a lot of like elemental horror and stuff in the woods and stuff in small towns because i find those things to be the scariest things especially mm -hmm. like the wilderness just there's no one because it's so hard to write horror specifically supernatural horror in a big city because it's like well you just go to the 24-hour walmart that's got its lights on all the time and there's people everywhere is a ghost gonna kill you there probably not is like a murderer gonna kill you there probably not like you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it, so so i really like like being off the grid or being in a cabin or you know a small town where there could be a bit of a conspiracy if you want which i usually do so yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, like the fear of the unknown with these. Yeah, basically, you kind of paint it as like a lawless or a unknown territory. Yeah, I definitely understand yeah. why that becomes a, a jumping point to start with that horror. So that's yeah. a, it's interesting. Very cool. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up that you uh, uh, do focus on writing in Arizona because you caused quite a stir <laughs> for a small Arizona town uh, from funny. what what the fuck is going on in Pinal County, Arizona. You detailed the strange occurrences of a small city descending into disease and disarray, and it seemingly got picked up by locals and spread like wildfire, thinking that their town was going to hell, <laughs> basically. So, that can you, yeah, can you can you talk uh, basically what how did this like how did you first become aware of this situation and <laughs> was there any blowback or so what what all did that no. entail? Okay, this is funny. Uh, I was friends with some of the writers and we realized that there, there was some sort of like 
pandemic panic going on at the time, kind of like now. Um, and we were like, we should capitalize on that a little bit. Let's have some fun. So we thought, well, we'll just write, we'll just all make throwaways and we'll write like four or five stories about just different, you know, outbreaks or whatever. Um, so when it became my turn, um, I decided that if I didn't want to do a story, I wanted it because I, I honestly, I thought the plan was to make it sound as legitimate as possible, which is what I did. So I left out, you know, you don't, people that are like, I have access to the internet. Somebody help me, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to get bogged down in details. It's like, this is where I am. This is what's happening. This is what I'm seeing. I got to get out of here. What's happening? And so that helped. And then you had a bunch of people in the comments play along. <laughs> also helped. It hit, I think it hit our all on Reddit. And then, um, so when, when people started really calling down to Mammoth, that was the town. Um, and if, I guess a few people tried to go, but for, in a perfect storm of events that day, which this was sometime in November of like 2015, maybe that day, a plane had to do an emergency landing on the on oh, highway no. going into Mammoth. So it was completely blockaded and there were cop cars on the other side to stop people from going. And so that, so anybody that tried to go ran into this blockade and it's like, well, you just completely legitimized my dumb story. <laughs> That's uh, so I didn't become aware. I thought it was funny. The comments, I think there were like 2000 comments at one point and I still kept playing along and people would call and then so I'd do an edit on the story and be like, Oh, that's not us. I don't know who is answering those phones, whatever. I can't, this is like years ago now. Um, I didn't, I just thought it was funny and I went home from work and didn't think about it. And then the next day I always turn on the news before I go to work. And there was like a little segment and I just heard the guy say mammoth Arizona. And so I was like, what? And they had this little blurb about how there was like a, uh, what are they like war of the world's kind of like prank. Which it never really was intended to be a prank, <laughs> sure. but it was that, and then it got picked up by some other news sources, and then my dad said it ended up in um, USA Today, and he sent me a clipping of that, so I actually have it. Um, and now it's on Poor Mammoth Arizona's Wikipedia page. Um, that's like the ult- That's like the ultimate fun fact. It's is that? Such a fun <laughs> fact. I know. Um, yeah, nothing. I nobody ever got upset about it. I don't know. Like the, the they went out and some news places went out and interviewed some people from mammoth and they're like it was just a weird day we just were getting calls all over the place it was the talk of the town but they nobody anyway nobody they interviewed seemed upset so that's good i really wasn't trying to upset anyone i just was trying to play along with the thing project we were doing sure i'm I'm just picturing based on so the for anybody unfamiliar the uh no sleep subreddit pretty much always operates under the assumption that like this or the comments operate under the assumption that the story is true and they kind of interact with the storyteller as if the everything is coming from like a factual source Mm -hmm. and i'm just picturing some unfortunate old woman googling (laughs) her city and just finding that subreddit in the horror shredding as she's reading comment after comment of what's going on in my town oh mama yeah. Okay. So I'm going to uh, change gears a bit here and apologize for the open-endedness of this eventual question. Um, so, and I'm sure it obviously depends on the kind of story you're writing, but can you say generally what part of the writing process comes easiest to you or like what, what kind of portions you carve out first? And uh, c- uh, conversely, what would you say is the hardest for you? Um, the... My okay, so I'm a big outliner. I don't even when I write super short stories, I don't write a single word until I know everything that's 
happening, who's in it, what's going to happen, that kind of thing. Um, because I like to layer in, you know, you then you can seed stuff for later and have payoffs. And if you know everything in the beginning, then you can write in cool stuff like in Baroska with the uh, Kyle suit not fitting and stuff like that, that, that end up paying off later for people that paid attention, you know, stuff like that. I like mm-hmm. um, outlining is not particularly easy because you have to figure out like in my case because i'm a twist girl you have to figure out your twist is it going to be obvious how do i make it less obvious what can i do with it so outlining is the hardest part but once i have the outline down well outlining is the second hardest part once i have the outline down um then i get to the writing the actual writing of it which is the most fun part for me it's my favorite part because i know everything that's going to happen i don't have to sit and think about like oh how do i get from here to here I just mm-hmm. get to sit down and write the scenes and like play around in the world and have some fun. And, you know, sometimes when you're writing characters, do things you don't expect and you're like, okay, I'm going to adjust a little bit there, but we're still going to end up over here. And I would say the absolute hardest part of any story is the very first sentence and the very last one, because the first has to be poignant enough to catch people. And you have to, like, I, when I write, I like to drop people right in the middle of either a conversation or, you know what I mean? I, I don't like to be in someone's head to start. I want to drop people into the action and then endings because you want your last sentence to end on something just like a gut punch. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that is hard to find, but I think I land it enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would absolutely agree. Yeah. Um, and okay. so uh, uh, mentioning that it's like small details like that, uh, Kyle suit not fitting. This is uh, going to test your memory at all. Is there uh, posting your stories on Reddit gives you the unique opportunity of having a very engaged fan base instantly reacting to your work, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, and if anybody knows uh, redditors, redditors are very thorough in their yeah. uh, discussion and of their readings. Has there ever been a comment for any of your stories pointing out something that you didn't intend, but was just like good enough to be like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> that was actually uh, my my plan. That's a great. I feel like there has been. And I wouldn't contradict it if it made me look smarter. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> I feel like there ha- I can't think of a specific thing, but I know that there has been. And there has been a, there is one story where there was one Easter egg kind of thing that I didn't think that people that nobody had picked up on yet so I'm like fuck it so I made a throwaway and like posted on there like but did you guys catch this <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> I'm like, people have to know. yeah um yeah I, I, I'm sure it you know what's weird is it happens I saw this one Venn diagram and it was like other people have probably seen this meme it's like on one circle it's like what the author meant and then the other circle is like what people think the author meant and there's just mm-hmm. like a very small like, like a <laughs> crossover between the two people do get really into like themes and what is this really saying? And sometimes a story is just a story. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to, uh, we already briefly mentioned Hill house, but uh, we're going to stick with that here for the next couple questions. Um, so can you give me a couple pros and cons of, um, so you obviously came up writing those individual horror stories that you were posting to Reddit and you made those collections of, and those anthologies. Can you, Compare and contrast the um, writing process that you did for those stories as opposed to the collaborative work for a show of uh, Haunting of Hill House's caliber. Is there anything that you weren't prepared for or things that immediately were just like, whoa, this is this is way different? Um, it 
is interesting. There are definitely pros and cons to both. When I write for myself, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm about even now, but I've always been much better at writing prose than writing a script than screenwriting. And I've just gotten to the point where I'm comfortable with it and stuff is getting, you know, optioned and sold. So like, it's great. Um, as far as, so writing is a very lonely, broad, like, so, you know, solitary process. Um, sure. if you're writing, especially if you're writing, you know, like I was a prose and you can kind of do whatever you want and you're just kind of like, you don't get notes on stuff. You just, you just like write it and then you put it out there and it's like, it sinks or it swims. It's let's see what happens. Um, and I like that because no one tells you what to do <laughs> or what to write. Um, but then you go into a writer's room and now I have, you know, five people in the room who are almost certainly better writers than I am. Um, cause they've been doing it for so long and, and it's so much fun to throw out an idea that you think is great. And then it bounces around six times to everybody. And now it's amazing, you know, mm -hmm. and then you can do that with other people's ideas. And I really love collaborative storytelling in that way because people identify with different characters. Like for me, I really identified with like Nell. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think, there's other people in the room that identified with, you know, um, with Luke or, or with Hugh, even it's just sort of, you know, it, and it brings a lot of like texture to the, the characters that you're writing when you have so many different people with so many different stories, like personal stories that can write so like genuinely about make them seem like real people. Mm -hmm. um, so I really, really, I really love TV writing. Yeah, as a, as a twin myself, I uh, I definitely ah. identified with both Luke and Nell. Um, oh. Some of the writing on that was like some of the, my favorite scenes ever of any show or movie. Like oh, wow. uh, the uh, scene where um, Luke took Nell to uh, yeah. so we could get get well one yeah. last time before we up. Oh my goodness gracious! I yeah. I'm not normally a crier. <laughs> but, I know. Uh, Wow, 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 wow. The impact yeah. of that. That's that's uh, that's one of those gut punches that you mentioned yeah. earlier, for sure. Um, and so keeping on the Hill House theme, uh, the episode you're credited with working on specifically is episode eight, uh, Witness Marks. And I thought the whole like the whole explanation Hugh gave for the witness marks for the house itself was just beautiful. The comparisons were super cool. It, yeah. it was a concept I was unfamiliar with. I'd never heard of the term witness marks before, but the way they utilized it uh, for this house and the imprints it had put on all of the kids and Hugh himself was just just so very cool to me. So yeah. I was curious if you could weigh in on the origin story for this episode name or how it yeah. came to be it's very simple honestly um most of the writers in the room at the time were listening to a podcast called s-town oh yes 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 the guy was a clock maker and they got into witness marks and that's why we just thought it was cool and we're like can we use it sure we can let's do it that's it that's the whole stuff. <laughs> well fair enough s-town was a great podcast by the way yeah for anybody else listening who needs something it's uh yeah it's 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 like a true crime mixed with one of the most interesting person stories you'll ever <laughs> ever listen to so all right um very sad though yeah on very very sad okay um so in 2020 it's basically impossible not to be a fan of mike flanagan if you have any <laughs> sort of involvement in the horror genre i mean he's been absolutely killing it he's mm -hmm. gone from oculus to hush to gerald's game and in my opinion the best horror movie of 2019 which was dr sleep 
So Quentin Tarantino said the same thing. It was one of his favorite movies from last year. And I, so I am maybe one of the few people in the world who thinks it was better than The Shining. Um, I was absolutely blown away. I had no expectations Mike besides. Mike would love to hear that. <laughs> it, it's true. It's, it really, really was good. And yeah. so um, i just curious if you can give any small um, inklings as to what it's like working on a Mike Flanagan project. Oh, man. Flanagan is – Mike is – he's just – he's so easy to work with. He loves writers, um, I think, and I hate to, like, speak for him, but uh, I, my impression. He loves writers um, and the creative process. And he, you know, he's just so smart at just coming up with, you know, amazing things off just off the top of his head. Like, we'll spend all day on something. Um uh, on an episode and he'll come in after lunch because uh, uh, Haunting of Blind Manor we just that just wrapped filming um, which is the basic season two of Hell House and mm-hmm. he was running another room at the time he was running two shows so we didn't get him as much and he would come in and be like that's all great but this problem you're having it's this and it's like yep of course it's that why did we not think of that <laughs> he's really really good at that like the Nell jump scare in episode eight where she's coming out of the back of the car spoilers sorry people. oh yes, um, yes. That, that was all Mike like he's just he's 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 freaking brilliant. And um we got to go um they were filming some reshoots for Doctor Sleep, so we got to go on set at Warner Brothers, um, our writers room to watch them do the stuff in the hedge maze at the end of Doctor Sleep. Oh, okay. Sleep. Yeah, oh, so yeah, and that okay. was a lot of fun to just see how he works on a big, big set like that. Very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. I'm I'm glad to hear that. He seems uh Based on his movies, he seems like his 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 level of care for basically every part of the process is massively high. So he I'm does. glad to hear. He glad to never hear. Never ever it. phones it in. Ever. He's always on his A game. It's it's amazing to watch. It's very inspirational to me. Yeah. He's it, not def- always on my A game. It's hard to be <laughs> yeah. that way. Yeah, those rare people that make us look bad but at least inspire us are uh, always appreciated. Oh yeah. Okay. So um, as we've talked about a couple of times here now, you're no stranger to having your stories adapted. You've been featured on Creepypastas, YouTube readings, No Sleep Podcast. Uh, but some fun news recently was that you just, um, or it was just announced that Cole Sprouse from Riverdale, or if you're young like me, Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, <laughs> back on. He was also Ben gym. and Friends. <laughs> Also, he was a little kid in uh, Big Daddy. Oh, Big Daddy, yeah, he was, wasn't he? Him and yeah, Dylan. I guess, yeah. Uh, so, but he's going to be uh, headlining a podcast adaptation of Baraska. What can you tell us about that? That we have, uh, sorry. What can you tell us about what we have to look forward in this podcast? Uh, that's actually where I was all day because we've been recording. Uh, it's about a month of recording. Um, so the podcast uh, is it's Baraska. However, it's and, and you're. You're actually going to be the first person to know this because all the trades got this wrong and it drove me crazy, but I never corrected anyone. They they have it as eight half hour uh, episodes and it's actually eight hour long episodes with the last episode being about 90 minutes. Wow. So okay. you're going from a Baroska, the Baroska that you know, I think was maybe an hour and a half, hour 45 mm-hmm. um, on like the No Sleep podcast when they just read it. And then I have taken it and just like blown the whole thing up. I get way deeper into the, I wrote all the scripts for it, uh, a lot deeper into the universe. There's some new characters. There's some new crazy stuff going on that people that even know the original story won't understand. 
Um, it's just a, a lot more time and like care spent there, but the pacing isn't slow. The pacing is still as fast as it was in the original story. Um, awesome. I know, but it's been great going in there. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, Cole is great. He's, he's great. He's actually really freaking funny, which I should have, I just don't know, like, <laughs> actor that's been working since they were a little kid, sure. how they're going to be like jaded on life. I don't know, but he's just like him and the guy that plays uh Kyle named Dan, they are great together, which is what you want. You want those two people to have, you know, a rapport. Um, and they're both, they're both just amazing. I'm really so, that. so as far as how the podcast is structured, how many, um, voice actors is that going to involve then i mean you basically you've got the three main characters but you've probably got i don't know 15 to 20 that have quite substantial voice roles is that going to be people running different voices for different characters is it going to be one individual for each character or how does that work there is only one actor who is doing two characters and it's because both those characters kind of only have one line Mm -hmm. but they cast um, actors for every role. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I'm trying to think of the call sheets. I feel like there's 20 or 30, something like that. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Awesome. As well, and then you you have the adult kids and the little kids. You know. Oh, true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I am very excited for that. Uh, and Thank I think you. that I'm is sure. set to debut in April. Is that right? Uh, April could be May, but uh, depending how post goes. But I think that we're looking at April. Okay, Aprilish. I can take Aprilish. Yeah, it kind of it still depends on uh, our lead actor's schedule because he's filming um, his show at the same time, so it's like a lot of back and forth for him from gotcha. Vancouver to here. So yeah. Okay. All right, I've got uh, one last real question here before I put you through a quick rapid fire uh, gauntlet <laughs> round. So uh, oh, no, it's gonna be like favorite movies and stuff. All right, I'll try. I'm so bad at those questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so you've certainly carved your own unique path as a writer. Uh, from all the lessons you've learned, if you had to give a piece of advice to any aspiring artists who are just trying to navigate the tricky world of self-promotion and online yeah. content creation and really just making it as a writer in 2020, right. can you provide any words of wisdom for people like that? Yes. Um, so uh, this is not conventional advice. I see a lot of people, particularly on Reddit, giving the opposite of this, but I'm just going to tell you what I think works and what I've seen work and what worked for me. Um, and again, this is something we were talking about today, but um, I think when you're first starting out, you cannot treat your stories like they're holy relics. Like they're, you can't be too precious because you're kind of, you're asking people to like take a chance on you and like, like read your, your story. And it's great. And it's, and if it's big, it's great. Um, if it's not as great, you know, like have people read you, that's great. But I think that when you, when you, when you start, when you start writing stuff that people respond to, I think, and I advise people to say yes, anyone that wants to adapt your story, always say yes, even if they're not going to pay you. Like I've had Mr. Creepypasta do some of mine and he's got millions of subscribers, I think. And I don't, you know, he didn't pay me for any of them. And, and, and I've always just said anybody, whether you have five people on your channel or a million people. Whoever wants to do it, as long as I get to keep the rights, like I just wanted to get out there as fast as possible. Because while, yes, you are letting people profit off of your entertainment for free, you also have to think of yourself as a brand. And like 
Mm-hmm. You need to advertise yourself. Are you going to accept free advertising? In my case, hell fucking yes, I did. So <laughs> I said yes to everyone and anyone that wanted to adapt anything. And I think that really helped. Um, I got a, a big following on Facebook from it. It was just, it was, it was great. And um, that's what I try to tell people is like, you need, and it's, it's a dirty word exposure and working for exposure. And that is mm-hmm. very true. But I just, and, and again, your mileage may vary, but for me, I think that when you're first starting out, you can, you can write really well and like hope that the work speaks for itself. But I think it always helps to just always say yes, because Mm -hmm. again, you're advertising yourself for free. Like, I don't know. That's just, that was what I did. That's what I try to tell other people to do. Um, But people disagree with that, but that's, that's what I think (laughs) anyway. Hey, I, I appreciate the honesty. I mean, yeah. no, it's no, there's no, no, there's no one fit. No, there's one, no, no one fit all answer for anybody. So right. uh, I just, I appreciate you giving a little bit of uh, background on your situation, what worked for you. And I mean, I, I think especially as we move forward, uh, everything is online now. There's yeah. niche, niche entertainment markets for everything. Uh, like for example, I, I didn't know what your Reddit username came from, the Dalek Emperor, until I Googled <laughs> it and I came across the biggest uh, Doctor Who um, fan forum where I started to read about the Dalek Emperor and there was like 60 text links in the first two paragraphs. So I'm like, yeah. if I really want to understand this, it's going to take about probably four or five hours. So uh, yeah, I just, might as well just yeah, and see, I, I, Doctor Who's always been one of those shows. Like, if I watch it, I know I'll get into it, but I yeah. don't know if I can commit. <laughs> it's <laughs> hard. Like, you definitely like start at the Ninth Doctor if you're gonna do it, but um, I think you should anyway. But yeah, it's a, it's, it's one of those things. Like, if you hadn't started Game of Thrones by now, what a mountain to climb. True. You know. True. But uh, true. yes, I, I, yes. I have a bunch of usernames, to be honest, but that's the one that I'm most on. Alrighty. So as I mentioned, uh, I've got just six rapid fire quick questions. Okay. For you. So right. take first thing that comes to your mind. Don't don't fret about it too much okay. if you can. Uh, but yeah, some of them probably will be uh, difficult. <laughs> okay. So, I'll all right. over it. We'll get through it. All right. Number one, favorite horror movie of all time. Um. I really like Lake Mungo. I only was introduced to it actually by Mike Flanagan like four, three or four years ago. But I love that movie. I think it's everything that's amazing about horror. Very cool. That's a, that's a cool answer because not many people have heard of it, but the people who have heard of it love it. It's a very Watch much it. cult it's classic. It's on Amazon Prime, you guys, for free yeah. if you have it. It's very much a cult classic and the it's fans so will die by it. <laughs> yes. yes, same. All right. Number two. Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. All right. Number three. Favorite Scream Queen or Final Girl? Either or. I, can I say an up and coming one? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, obviously I love Jamie Lee Curtis. So uh, actually we cast her in the, the podcast, not Jamie Lee Curtis, but I really like Lulu Wilson. She played young Shirley in the um, in okay, show. Yeah. Yes. But she was also in The Conjuring yep. um, in a main part. Like, I've seen her in a lot. I think that she, we had her screaming, um, doing screaming uh, pickups for the podcast. And she's, I mean, this is a literal scream thing. She's just very good. Like, she's just, she's very good at horror. And I, I feel like horror might be a, a passion of hers. So I'm like, I would cast her in everything I could. I mean, I put her in this because I just, I love her so much. Very so cool. She's definitely one to watch. Awesome. That's a great answer. 
All right, number four. Favorite non-horror book? Non-horror book. Damn. Um, it's so boring. It's probably one of the Game of Thrones books. It's, honestly, it's probably the first Game of Thrones book. God, that's hard. I know that's such a cliche answer, but I just I love his writing so much. Yeah, it's cliche um, for a reason. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it, I also so. love Jurassic Park. Like oh, the original cool. book I thought was amazing. All right, cool. All right, uh, number five, last TV show you binged? Uh, I'm on my second rewatch of BoJack right now. Bojack oh, very Horton. cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, those are all, you always need those shows to just take the edge off where you don't need to be yeah. watching every single thing. You just have it in the background, kind of take you out of the deep. stress of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the one before that was Rick and Morty, which is another one that's like surprisingly deep and like mm-hmm. sad sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Great shows. Uh, all right, last one. Uh, who is going to win the Super Bowl next year, and why will it be the Detroit Lions? I think that the Lions are due, but I have a really hard time saying that because I'm a Bears fan. Oh, uh, yeah. wow. This but did not never... come up in my research. No, well, I, yeah, I've lived in Chicago for a while, and that's kind of where I really started to like football. Okay, if I'm making a prediction, I'm going to say the Seahawks. Oh, okay, I like that. That's uh, that's a team you wouldn't. It's, they're definitely. I mean, they're not top five, top six favorites, but I mean, Russell Wilson you can't can't bet okay. against that guy. If you want, I'll get my Ouija board out and we can find out who'll win right now. Because I'm okay. pretty sure there's a like a Baba Yaga in my house, like a Russian witch. Dude, if uh, you, if there's a Russian witch, she definitely is gonna have ties to the Lions because they are cursed <laughs> to all hell. Oh well, maybe 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 the Lions will win. All right, that's your team. <laughs> It unfortunately is my team. I grew oh, up in Detroit and yeah, hey, another stuck with it. All righty. So uh, I think that's just about going to do it for interview today. So I want to take a second to really thank you for joining me. It was an honor and an absolute pleasure. You have uh, as so I've, I've been doing this podcast for just over a year now. Um, I started oh, wow. it, started it with my twin brother because we oh. loved horror movies and we like spending time together. So oh. Why not? <laughs> Why yes, not just exactly. have fun with it? That's wonderful. And uh, honestly, we discovered your stories on Reddit probably 2014, 2015, and we were already horror fans, but you were an inspiration for us to continue diving deeper and deeper into the genre. So oh, thank uh, you. It's, uh, this has been really, really fun. I appreciate your perspective on all of this and just really kind of digging deep into uh, how you came up writing and all that fun stuff. So uh, uh, we're, as we mentioned, uh, you've got some exciting 2020 coming up, the Baraska podcast debuting in Mm -hmm. April ish. And then obviously Bly Manor coming out later this year. Uh, We are super excited for all the success you have coming your way and uh, we wish you the best moving forward. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And, and plugging my stuff. That's also great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if we're as big fans of, I mean, the reason we do this is so mostly our friends who kind of like horror can like get our recommendations and stuff. So we've been uh, really pumping out your stories because it's, oh. they definitely deserve more praise, even though they've got a lot. Uh, so. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Our, well, Rebecca, it's been, it's been fun and I really appreciate you joining here and you have a great rest of your night. All right. You too. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumping Scared Podcast. Have any questions, comments, just want to share your horror movie opinions with us? Feel free to reach us at jumpingscared at gmail.com. See you next episode.